You are listening to the CMC podcast series, Strong Life. In this exciting new series, the pastors of CMC will impart powerful principles that will enable you to live the strong life that God has destined for you. Now join lead pastor Tim Brooks for the message, Strong Finances. I have been motivated by this Strong Life series. We are in our fifth lesson. This is, we have had in these past four sessions, we've had all of the junior guys teaching these sessions. And so I'm finally glad that they've let somebody that knows something get up here. Hey, look, if they talk about I'm the very senior pastor, then that must mean they're the very junior. So I'm, hey, I'm just going with what I've been instructed here, but I'm glad to finally get y'all, somebody here knows something about what they're talking about. Hey, let me just tell you, I, I, don't, I don't like to brag on our staff because then they start wanting raises and all kind of stuff, so you don't want to do that, but let me just tell you, these last four weeks, um, Paul and I were talking earlier today, I don't know that our church has ever done anything more powerful than happened right here in the last four weeks. Awesome. Awesome word. It's just been an awesome word. And, and I want to encourage you, don't, don't just, this is some, this is some life-changing word that, that these guys have shared with us in the last four weeks. And you can't just hear it one time. Um, uh, get that podcast and hear them over and over and over because this, you got to chew on this. Uh, when Josh talking about our will and, and what, what that plays, when I still hadn't gotten over Paul's, I've heard it a half a dozen times on attitude because that probably is my number one problem. I got a bad attitude all the time. Uh, but my goodness, words that have been spoken to us. So we, we really need to, to get this in us. Well, this is the fifth session. And I, I'm glad to get to teach in this Strong Life series. And I, I want to talk about a life that is strong financially. A strong financial life. Luke chapter 16. And I, I want you to see this. I, I, because this isn't just me. This is red letters in your Bible. Uh, Luke chapter 16 verse 10. If you are faithful in the little things, you will be faithful in the large ones. But if you're dishonest in the little things, you won't be honest with greater responsibilities. It's just a principle. It's how life works. Verse 11, if you are untrustworthy about worldly wealth, who will entrust you with the true riches of heaven? We don't talk about money. Oh, 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 Tim. Now, we're in church. I came to church. I want to hear something spiritual we need to be talking about significant things. We don't need to be talking about just ungodly money. We need to be talking about true riches in heaven. I want everybody to see verse 11. The distribution of the true riches. The distribution of the true riches in life are a direct result of the way you handle your money. Now, there's no need in us talking about strong in the true riches. And as I was going over and getting ready for this, I thought, you know what? We might should have had this the number the first session that we started out because we've been talking about true riches, about in our spiritual life. But you're not going to get the, the distribution of that. Verse 11 is what Jesus said. is a direct result of how you're handling just your money, just your worldly money. Now, there are things that you are praying for, 
I mean, the anointing, the power of God, wisdom of God. Oh, God, I need your wisdom. I, I want your true riches. I, and there are things that you are seeking God for. That's determined by how well you handle your money. I, I'm just, that's verse 11. I wanted you to see this. There's red letters here. In the church world over the past 40 years, people have argued and split and fought over what has been called the prosperity message. Many people preach a prosperity message. There have been many people that have opposed a prosperity message. So regardless of where you stand on that controversial issue of preaching prosperity, regardless of where you stand, it's clear to me poverty is a curse. It's not a blessing. Now... There, there's no, there is absolutely no way for you to be a blessing if you have not been blessed. You, if you're not abundantly blessed, then you, I mean, you can't bless anybody else. You can't give sums of money to further the kingdom of God unless you have more money than you need to live on. God wants to prosper, he doesn't want you living in lack. And that's clear to me. Simply because I understand the natural desires of a parent. The natural desires of a parent is to bless your child. God wants his children to be blessed. Now regardless of where, and you want to argue about this message or that message, and I'm not getting into that, I'm just telling you clearly the heart of God is to see you blessed, not see you cursed. God doesn't want to see you out begging for bread. That, that's not his plan. Historically, from Adam and Eve until now, the vast majority of that time, wealth is measured in land. It's been measured in land for livestock to graze on. It's measured in land to grow crops on. It's measured in the abundance of livestock or the abundance of crops. Deuteronomy is real clear. God created wealth, and God gives you and I the power to get wealth. That's what the Bible says. Uh, just a definition of money that I heard years ago. Money is a receptacle of deferred goods and services. That's all it is. It's not bad, nor is it good. Don't ever look at money and think it's bad, or don't ever look at money and think it's good. It's not moral or immoral. It's the way it's handled or used. But just laying there on the table, it's neither. God created wealth. Man created money as a means of exchange. It's a way of exchanging my cow for your bushel of corn. I'm just glad we live in a day and time I can sell my cow and I can put then the representation of that cow in my pocket. I don't have to carry that cow in my pocket over to your house and exchange my cow for your bushel of flour. I can turn that into money and carry that around and then I can take that money and buy some flour or some corn or buy whatever it is that you're serving. So it's just a means of exchange that makes it easier for us in this day and time than hauling our cows and our pigs and our chickens and our eggs over to the neighbor's house that has flour and corn and, and spinach. So money represents my cow. 
That's, that's all it does. And I can put it in my pocket until I need your roof repair. That, that's the way it is. It's very easy to fall in love with money because of what you can get with it. And because of what you can get with money, if you don't guard yourself, then you can become greedy. And greed does not work in a free society. Greed does not work, nor will it perpetuate the economy of a free society. I want you to know, I want you to remember, I want you to write it down, I want it to be right across the front of your mind. More money comes to you by giving and serving other people. In a free society, unless you are a thief, <coughs> unless you are a thief, or the government that takes money away from your check, <coughs> I won't go into that. The only way you get money is by serving and meeting the needs that somebody else has. It's the way our system works in a free society, and it is the way God intended life to work. In communism, they just take it away. You won't ever read that in the Bible. The Bible says it's in giving that you receive, and that is the foundation of the way our economy works here in America, and that's why we are a God-centered nation, because the economics of our nation runs on the biblical principle of serving other people. You want to be great? Shame on you, you sorry thing. No, that's not what he said. You want to be great? Here's the way you do it. You want to be great? Here's the way you do it. How do you do it? Serve other people. And the more people you serve, the greater you will be. See, the more people's pipes that's leaking in their house that you fix, the more people's roof, the more people's gutters, the more whatever it is that you do, the more people's needs are met, the richer you become. That's the way God established life to work. The more you do for somebody else, the more you give of your time, your effort, your ingenuity, the more you give of yourself to meet somebody else's need, the more money comes to you. It's easy to fall in love with money and become greedy. Now, here's the problem, and I'm seeing it all across our America. You want money without wanting to give and to serve. I don't want to work. I don't want to give. I don't want to serve. I, don't, I ain't going to work for nobody. But you want money. That's greed-driven. That's not a biblical principle. And because people get greedy and they want lots of money, they want lots of money but don't want to work or serve or meet other people's needs, then there are always schemes to get money very quickly. And just multi-level schemes, there are internet schemes, there are all kind of schemes for you to get money quickly without first giving and serving and meeting the need of somebody else. Now, that don't ever work. Now, it'll work quick. It'll work quick. You might get a big chunk of money in for a short time, but you can write it down. And we don't have time to go into Proverbs and all that Proverbs says about money quickly gained, about money that's quickly given, about money that comes without serving because it comes to an end very quick. 
and it leaves you worse off than you were before. Here's what I want you to know. You will never live life strong financially with get-rich-quick schemes. You live life strong financially by living a lifetime of serving and meeting other people's needs. That's the way you live strong financially. Now, in a matter of time, if you are a get-rich-quick schemer, in a matter of time, you will be left looking for a new scheme because it doesn't sustain. You're not meeting anybody's needs. You're not meeting anybody's needs. The problem, getting money becomes your goal. Getting money becomes your goal. And I see it all the time. People are trying to make something happen so they can get money quick instead of making serving other people your goal. How can I meet the most number of people's needs for a door or a door latch? How can I get the most number of light bulbs in the most number of houses to help people meet their needs? See, you, instead of how can I help other people, it's how can I get money the quickest and the fastest with the least amount of effort on my part. And that's where a lot of America is. No customer service. All I want is money. All I want is money quick. No concern over the quality of product I'm producing. Because all I want is money and I want it quick. Let me just tell you, it'll never produce a strong life financially. How can I create a product that is better than anybody else's product? That will benefit other people better than anybody else is being benefited? How can I best serve other people? You can watch that guy grow financially, financially, financially stronger. You get a lot of money quick without a lifetime of serving and giving and benefiting others. And what happens with this mentality is the paycheck becomes the goal. And when the paycheck is your goal, you will never live a strong financial life. When God is your source, serving people and meeting other people's needs is your goal, then you just use money. But when money is your goal, money becomes your source, and you chase, and you pursue, and you serve money, and you use God. And I see it happen all the time. Get rich quick people are users of God. They need him to heal. They need him to bless. They need him to come through here. They need him to come through here. They need him to do, and they use God. That's somebody that money is their goal. Money's not your goal I want to help people. I want to serve the most number of households. I want my product in every home in America because I know it will save them money. I know it will bless people. I know what I'm doing, I want to figure out a way to do it more and more. How can I meet, instead of 10 people a week, how can I meet 100 people's needs a week? That's all I'm consumed with. You don't have to worry about money. See, money is a product of serving and blessing other people. There is an automatic flow that God has set up when you've got others as your goal. And there's a block in life when you've got money as your goal. When anybody starts off their pitch with me about how much money I can make and have it mailed to me every month and I only have to do nothing to serve anybody else, I'm out before the pitch continues. I'm done. I'm out. 
Because money over a long term does not happen unless you serve and meet people's needs and bless other people. It won't work. Proverbs are real clear. It will take you out. A life of prosperity is a result of a life serving and blessing other people. It's not the result of a scheme that you schemed people. It's not a result of signing up people. It's a result of blessing other people. We live in a community where there's a lot of people unable to mow their own lawn. Physically, they can't do that. I want to go mow a lawn for them. They are blessed. I meet their needs. And I leave that place blessed. I look around and I see people that don't have a job. I'm going to hire 50 people to mow lawns for me. Now I've got 50 people that I'm employing and I'm mowing two lawns a day. So I'm mowing 100 lawns a day instead of one or two lawns a day by myself. So I've employed and I've blessed 50 people. Now I am mowing 100 lawns per day because everybody's mowing. So I'm blessing 100 people every single day. What I need to do is hire somebody to count my money. The more people I bless, I'm blessing 100 people every day by mowing their lawn. I'm blessing 50 people every day by paying them to mow lawns for me. I'm blessing 150 people every single day. I'll have to hire somebody to count my money. You, you see, that's the way God established this thing to work. The more needs you can meet, the more blessed you are. Serving others, meeting needs, blessing others, and you don't have to worry about your blessings. You fix other people's roof. Well, let me get 10 people employed, and then we'll fix 10 other people's roofs. You fix people's leaky pipes that's ruining their house. Let me get 10 people employed. We'll fix 10 people's pipes at the same time. See, I fix uh, you, whatever it is you do. Let me take some money and buy 500 pairs of shoes. But when you buy 500 pairs, you can get them a whole lot cheaper. So I can go out here and buy 500 pair of shoes, and then I can sell them to you individually. I can get more money than I paid for them, but you are getting them less than you would have to pay for them because of the money that I saved by buying 500 at a time. So I bless you, I'm blessed. See, how do you bless other people? The more customers you serve. Here, let me buy 300 acres of land because there's a lot of people that can't afford 300 acres. Let me break it up into three-acre parcels, and then I can sell people, and they can own three acres, and so I can sell, and in the middle of that, I'm blessed, they're blessed, the guy I bought the land from is blessed, the people I'm selling the land to is blessed, the, I've got blessed, and so in that, everybody is blessed. There's not anybody that's taken advantage of because everybody is living a bless. I wanted to live here. Look at my place. I'm blessed. I sold the land. I'm blessed. I bought the land. That guy's blessed because he got what he asked for. And so it's a win in God's system. Everybody's blessed. But when you're scheming and scamming, there's winners and losers. And that's not God's plan. That's not God's plan. Now, anytime. Someone wants you to make a lot of money, and it doesn't meet anybody's need, it's wrong. Just know that. Anytime somebody approaches you with a way to make a lot of money, and you don't meet anybody's need, it's wrong. Gambling is wrong. You're getting money, and you had not met anybody's need. Lottery is wrong. I don't scrape this thing off. Oh, I'm rich. Get rich quick schemes. 
See, it's not God's plan. And don't enter into something that you know in the end you won't be blessed as a result of it. In the long run, it won't sustain wealth. In the short term, it won't work. Proverbs says it won't. Now, here's just some FYI facts. Maybe you're interested, maybe you're not. I'm going to give them to you because I got them wrote down. In the New Testament, 215 verses on faith. In the New Testament, 215 verses on faith. In the New Testament, 218 verses on salvation. In the New Testament, 2,084 verses on money. Oh, we'll be talking about something more spiritual. Well, Jesus never did. 18 of Jesus' parables, 15 of them are about money. 18 of Jesus' parables, 15 of them center around money. God is for prosperity. God is against poverty. Poverty is a curse. 3 John 2, I wish you would all prosper. And that will be a result of how you do in your mind. I want all of you to. Here's a quote I came across years ago. We don't work to make a living. We work to make a giving. That'll work. That right there will always work. Turn to Matthew 25. I want you to turn there because you'll think I'm lying. Matthew chapter 25. Again, for those who have spiritual Bibles, it'll be in the red letters. Matthew 25 verse 14. Again, the story... Starts out, again, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip. He called together his servants and entrusted his money to them while he was gone. He gave five bags of silver to one, two bags of silver to another, one bag of silver to the last, dividing it in a portion to their abilities. There's just so much to talk about. So much to talk about. I wish we could teach on this for hours and hours. Some will have this, some will have that. There are people that's got more, there's people that's got less. I don't know what to tell you about it. It's just the way it is. It's according to your abilities. If you'll read on and you double whatever it is you've been given and you double whatever it is you've been given, you're going to be okay. So don't argue about what, I only got two, I only got this, go out there and double it, go out and double it, go out and double it, you're going to be okay. So it doesn't matter who got the two, who got the five. Some of you in here got the five, I got the two. It's just the way it is. Now, uh, in this day and time, it's a little unfortunate. Some translations say talents. The one gave five talents, one gave... Talents when the Bible was written, was a unit of speech that was for a certain amount of money. Today, the word talent means you can sing or you can tap dance or you can play the guitar. So somebody thinks, okay, God let one guy play the guitar. God let one guy, he can tap dance and play the guitar. No, it's not that talents. It's talking about money. So modern translations use bags of silver because that's what Jesus was talking about. Verse 16 the servant who had received the five bags of silver began to invest the money, and he earned five more. The servant with the two bags of silver also went to work and earned two more. But the servant who received the one bag of silver dug a hole in the ground and hid the master's money. After a long time, their master returned from his trip and called them to give account of how they'd used his money. The servant whom he had entrusted the five bags of silver came forward with five more and said, Master, you gave me five bags of silver to invest. I've earned five more. 
Verse 21, the master is full of praise. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. Verse 22, the servant had received the two bags of silver, came forward and said, Master, you gave me two bags of silver to invest. I've earned two more. The master said, well done, my good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. Then the servant with the one bag of silver, oh, Master, I knew you were a harsh man. I knew this, and I knew that. Oh, I, just, I, I got afraid, and have, here's your money. I, hit it. I just dug it hole, put it in the ground. Here's your money back. Verse 26, everybody looking. The master replied, you wicked and lazy servant. If you knew I harvested crops that didn't plant and gathered crops that didn't cultivate, why didn't you at least deposit my money in the bank? At least I'd have gotten some interest on it. Verse 28, I hope this is underlined in everybody's Bible. Then he ordered, take the money from this servant and give it to the one with the ten bags of silver. To those who have what they are given will even more be given, and they will have an abundance. But from those who have not, from those that don't do anything, from those that have not, even what little they have will be taken away. Verse 30, throw this useless servant into outer darkness where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. Verse 28 and 29, Jesus' words. I teach our young people at school all the time. Robin Hood's sweet little story. Make sure you understand it's communism. Robin Hood is not Christianity. I hear preachers in church preach Robin Hood as Christianity. And it's not. It's not. As a matter of fact, Robin Hood is in direct opposition of the words of Jesus. And it was written in a wonderful story where we take a mean old rich man, it's a mean old rich man. We get a little poor little man, Roddy, right? let's give it to this poor little guy, he don't have no money. Oh, that's Jesus. That's opposite of what Jesus said. Jesus is going to take it away from the guy who don't have any and going to give it to the rich guy. Because that rich guy is going to employ people. He's going to use that to bless people. He's going to create something. He's going to invent something. He'll hire 10 more people. He'll hire 50 more people. He'll hire 500 more people. No, no, no. This guy here is not going to do anything. We'll take it away from him. We're going to give it to this guy over here. He's going to do something with it. According to Jesus, who is more given to? Open book test. He who has. According to Jesus, who is more given to? He who has. Oh, I tell you, Tim, it just seems like the rich get richer and the poor get poorer. Well, the reason it seems like that is because that's exactly the way it is. That, that, that's exactly the way it works. The rich just keep on getting richer and richer and richer. Everything they touch turns to gold. Well, I just don't have any. And you're not ever going to have any. And what little you have, well, I'll take it away from you and give it to somebody who's got some. I mean, who thinks God is smart? Who thinks God is wise? Is God going to invest money in a losing proposition? Save your breath. Don't pray for money when you are squandering the money that you have. God's not going to give you money because you lose every dime you ever have. You just blow it and spend it and consume it and eat it up. A two-year-old in a restaurant, Daddy, 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 I want a dime. Sees the gumball machine right over here. Dad gives him a dime. Two-year-old runs across the restaurant, drops a dime. It rolls into the air conditioner vent. Oh, 
lost my dime. Well, bless your heart. Here, son, here's a $100 bill. Not. If you can't handle a dime right, don't run back to me and ask for a $100 bill. Clearly, if I'm that smart, don't be down here praying at the altar for God to bless you financially when you can't take care of your dime. He's not going to do it. It's a waste of time. God's going to watch you be faithful in a little. You make $50 a week and you're saving that, you're spending that wisely, you're handling that wise, you've got money left over, then start praying for an increase and you watch what happens in your life. God's going to give money to people who know how to handle money and he's not going to give it to people who can't handle money. It's just real simple. When a child handles a dime, you give them a quarter. When they handle a quarter right, you give them a dollar. When they handle a $10 bill right, then they can handle a $20 bill. But I'm not going to give them a $100 bill when they've lost a dime. God's not going to give $500 to somebody who lost the dime. To be strong financially, here's the key. Be one who has. Don't, don't give money to people who don't have any money and think you're going to help them. And, and this is a big problem in Christianity. We give money to people who don't have any money and think you're going to help them. There's a reason they don't have any money. They've blown all that they've ever had, and by you giving them money in another week, they will have blown that. Now they've blown their money and your money. Find somebody who's got money and give them money and watch what happens. It's a real simple principle if we just think this through. You can help somebody who is a haver. But a person that's a have-notter can't help them. They've blown it all. That's why Jesus says what he says in verse 28 and 29. Demonstrate faithfulness with your $10. It's an open book test. Who is more given to? The havers or the have-notters? Then what do you need to be? You need to be a haver. You need to be a haver. Be, to, to be strong financially, then you make sure you are always a haver. Be one who, to be strong financially, always be one. Who, well, I can't go. I don't have any money. Well, I don't have any money. I don't have any money. You're not ever going to have any money. It's a lifestyle for you. I always have money because I'm going to be a haver. I'm not ever going to be a have-notter. You'll never come up to me and ask me, do I have money, that I don't have lots of money. Why? Because I'm going to make... Now, I may not have a new stereo. I may be driving tires that need to be replaced. But I'm going to be a haver of money. Because I understand who God blesses with more money. Now, you've got to clearly show that you can manage $100 before you're going to be entrusted with 1000 You have to be one who has. Well, Tim, I don't have any money. I tell our young people all the time, at a very early age, you would be shocked to know how much money a 10-year-old has had come through their hands. Birthdays and Christmases and granddad and babysitting. I mean, you'd be shocked at how much money a 16-year-old has already handled. You would be shocked to know how much money each one of you have handled in your lifetime. How much of it you got left? I ask our teenagers all the time, anybody ever babysat? Anybody ever had odd jobs? Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. How much of it you got in your pocket right now? What'd you do with it? Spin it. You're a have-notter. Welcome to the life of poverty. It's a lifestyle that starts out very early 
in life. When you give a five-year-old $5 for their birthday, what's their first thought? Savings account? What can I buy? Toy, gum, candy. And as quick as they can convince mom to drive them to the store, they can get rid of that $5 in their pocket. Fast they can. Give a 10-year-old money for his birthday. As fast as he can get to the store, he's got to get back. I mean, I, I, they can't even sleep. You, they can't sleep with $10 in their pocket. They, they can't sleep. I've got to get to the store and get it gone. I've got to, quick as I can, turn myself into a have-notter. The 15, 16-year-old gets him a job, $100 a week. Get paid on Friday, what happens Friday night? What happens? Many of you employ folks. On Tuesday, could you give me an advance on my paycheck? I don't have money to get to gas on Wednesday. You got paid on Friday. It's all, what happened? It's gone. Gone. Can't even make it to the next Friday. We got to get an advance on Tuesday to get to work. See, no matter what you make, no matter what you make or have, as soon as you possibly can, you turn yourself into a have-notter. And you've developed a lifestyle that started at five years old of spending all you have, and now at 40, now at 50, you spend all you have. And so you live life as a have-notter, and you would be shocked to know how much money you spent. I ask our young people, who wants to be a millionaire? Do you know you will be? If you and your wife work for minimum wage at McDonald's for 50 or 55 years, you will be. But here's the problem. Week by week, you're going to blow it all. And so you will never have any money Tuesday through Friday. It's going to be gone. It's not that you don't have money. In America, the 10-year-old has had a lot of money. We got a lot of money. The problem is your lifestyle of always Every week, turning yourself into a have-notter. Just a couple of biblical principles here. You'll never be blessed, first of all, robbing God. Let's go back. I'm not teaching on the tithe yet. But you're not ever going to be blessed robbing God. The devourer will eat up more than you can ever bring. Pay your tithe. Give your offering right off the top. You make $10, dollar of its collection. Dollar of it, I'm putting in the church. Then I'll give an offering. Then I'm going to put some of that $10 in a savings account. Some of it in a savings account. I don't know how much, but some of it. Then the rest is yours to spend. If you do that for five years, you'll be shocked at where you are in five years. Just in five years, if a, every dime that comes your way, if you put just, I mean just a little bit, you'll be shocked at where you are. Tim, I don't have any money left to save. I hear what you're saying, but we're just barely making it now. I don't have any left to save. Clearly, you've developed a lifestyle of consuming all that you have. If you don't have any left to save, I just did this a couple of weeks ago. Went down to them, take, just turn my phone off if I was going to pay $230 a month. I ain't paying that. In five, oh, well, we could change your plan, so now I'm paying $130 a month. All you got to do is go tell them to turn it off. They'll change your plan. <laughs> Immediately... I'm saving $100 a month. Just take that $100 a month, and in five years, i got $6,000. Do that in three areas of your life right now. Adjust your lifestyle, and in five, six years, in five years, you got 
See, just a little saved over a little amount of time, think about a lifestyle. Terry and I, for over 30 years, have never spent all the money we made. Never. Not one time ever. I've never sold a cow. I've never sold a horse. I've never sold a piece of property. Did I spend all that money? Now, I've been doing this over 30 years. I'm strong financially. Real strong. Why? Because I didn't spend it all. It's not that I've had all that much money. Most of you have had more money than I have. I just didn't spend all that I had. Your income tax return's coming. Can't hardly wait. Go spend it all. Don't spend a dime of your income tax return. Put all of that in savings because that is not a part of your lifestyle. You're making it right now without that. So as soon as you get that, boom, that check's gone that night. Don't spend any of your income tax return. Put all of that in savings account because that's not something that you are dependent on living on right now. See, to be strong financially, you have to be a haver. It's very simple. You can't spend all that you have. You have to have a savings account that each week you put money in it. Well, Tim, I just can't afford to. I hear what you're saying, but now we can't afford to do that. Let's just look back over your life. You remember when you made $50 a week? You couldn't afford to save. Remember when you made $100 a week? You couldn't afford to save. Remember when you made $200 a week? Couldn't afford to save. Remember making $400 a week? You couldn't afford to save. But everybody is convinced, I don't have any extra money. Here's what I'm telling you. Zero, nada, has nothing to do with how much money you're making. It's all how much money you're spending. We read about football players all the time. Make $10 million a year and sign a 10-year contract in the year they retire. They're getting the house repossessed. Has nothing to do with the money you make. $10 million a year and they're getting the house repossessed. It don't matter if you're making $10 or if you're making $10 million. If you spend it all, I ain't got no money. We don't have no, I can't go. We don't have no money. It's a lifestyle. It doesn't matter how much money you got. It's how much money you spend. It's a lifestyle. To be strong financially, you have to not spend all that comes your way. You have to not spend it. There's only one reason that I've got this money in my pocket. There's only one. I hadn't spent it. That's it. There's a bunch of it in there. There's only one reason I got it. I hadn't spent it. Because if I hadn't spent it all, I wouldn't have no money. You'll never be strong financially spending all you have. For the kingdom of God to advance, we must have Christians who are strong financially. Write this down. The lost will not fund the furtherance of the gospel. Write that in big letters. The lost will not fund the furtherance of the gospel. I drove around this campus today. There's a bus sitting right out there. Somebody in this church wrote a check for the whole bus. Vans sitting right there. Somebody wrote a check to buy three vans. Classrooms. I mean, this building. You know how we're here? Somebody had more money than they needed to live on. That's how we're in this building. To print Bibles, it takes money. To evangelize, it takes money. To go on mission trips, it takes money. To have a youth group, to have children's ministry going over there in a paid-for gym with a paid-for electricity over there, it takes money. I want everybody in this church to grow stronger and stronger financially because... When Christians are broke, 
Christianity will cease. Christians have got to be strong financially. Y'all stand. Lord, here we are. We've been blessed with abilities to meet other people's needs. Whether we're builders, plumbers, electricians, secretaries. Lord, here we are. We've been blessed to meet other people's needs. I can mow the grass for somebody. I can clean out somebody's gutter. I got a strong back. I can climb a ladder. Lord, here I am. I can meet other people's needs. Now, Lord, you begin to reveal to each person in this church how they can meet more needs than they are currently meeting so that we in this church can continue to grow stronger and stronger. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. You've been listening to the CMC Podcast. You can stay connected with us through Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. Download the CMC app by searching Christian Ministries Church in the App Store. For more information and upcoming events, go to cmchurch.com.